0: Welcome to week one of our study of the book of Job. This week we will be going through Job chapter 1 verse 1 to 5. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job and that man was blameless upright fearing God and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send word to them and consecrate them rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Verse 1-5 to tells us about Job. It lets us know a little about his character at that point in time and his background information. He is blameless and upright. The King James Version calls him perfect and upright. The HCSB says he was a man of perfect integrity he feared god and shunned or turned away from evil from this we can surmise that job was a righteous man in god's sight it is important to remember here that righteous in this context is not the same righteous as sinless as god is a righteous god because he's without sin this righteousness is the righteousness that is accounted us for for obedience like the righteousness of Abraham. Abraham was not a sinless man. Lot was not a sinless man, but God called him righteous because they obeyed him. They listened to him. And so we have the same blamelessness or uprightness. Um, some versions call it perfect integrity when it refers to Job. That, um, that, is this, that is not sinlessness. It is a version of righteousness that comes with obeying God because we listen to him. What is interesting, because, because Job was not a Jew, as in he did not come out of the line of Jacob, which is when the nation of Israel was founded, but he was a descendant of Abraham. Some scholars believe that Job is a descendant of Esau and could have possibly married Jacob's daughter Dinah, but we don't know this for sure, and I will talk a little bit more about that later on. What we do know is that before Christ, here is a man that is righteous and blameless before God and fears him, despite the fact that he is surrounded by paganism. Even Jacob was surrounded by paganism in Laban's house because when he left, Rachel stole her father's idols to take with her, Genesis 31 verse 19. The Greek and Latin versions of the book of Job state that Job lived in Ositis, which is in Indomia and Arabia. They say his actual name was Johab, His father was Zerah, who was a descendant of Esau. Job married an Arabian woman and fathered Enon. The English Bible places Job in Uz, a place that scholars believe to be in Edom. Some say Job was the king of Teman, while others say he was the king of Egypt. And they surmise this information going by the names of his friends um, and matching them to the names of kings during that time period. Whatever the case is, we know for sure that Job is a wealthy man, but he is not an Israelite because he doesn't come from the line of Jacob. And yet he worships the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he is a descendant of Abraham. And we know that God himself considers Job to be his servant and calls him a righteous man. We can find this in Job 1, verse 8, Job 2, verse 3, and Ezekiel 14, verse 14. Job lived before God's laws were written on the tablets and given to Moses. So I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. Yet we see glimpses of Job living it prior to it being written. This makes perfect sense when we consider that God does not change. He and his word are one. His law is part of his word and therefore a part of him. It also does not change. So it is normal to see it evidenced before God himself writes it on the tablets for Moses to give to the nation of Israel. We find the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 verse 3 to 17. And I'm just going to run through ten points to reference the 10 commandments regarding Job. Number 1, Job served one God and put no one else before him. 2, he does not make he did not make idols or bow to them. It was common in that time period for pagans to to curse their gods when misfortune befell them. Yet Job never curses his God. He does not follow pagan ways even though his children do. Number 3, Job does not curse or blaspheme God even when he is incited to do so for his own good and we'll talk about that in later um, studies of the book of Job when we get to his wife. Number four, the Sabbath has not yet been instituted at this point, but we know that Job would regularly make sacrifices for his children after their feasts, in case they sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And we find this in Job 1 verse 5, but a man who regularly makes atonement sacrifices would also constantly make atonement sacrifices for himself. It's just part of his nature and character, so we can surmise that he would constantly be making these atonement sacrifices and be worshiping and coming before God even before the Sabbath has been instituted. Number five, the promise of a long life was to the Jews for honoring their parents. The book of Job does not mention Job's parents, but Middle Eastern culture from way back then all the way up to now is rife with parental honor. Number six, there is no record of Job going to war or committing murder. Number seven, he was the husband of one wife in a polygamous society, and he was very strict about maintaining his and her honor and purity, as we will see in Job 31, verse 1 to 2, and Job 31, verse 9. Um, And you have to understand that even his ancestors were polygamous. So for Job to be monogamous with... uh, with a heritage of polygamy um, is is a reflection of following um, thou shalt not commit adultery. Um, He didn't even have a harem, as far as we know. Um, Now, there are accounts that say that Job's first wife was Arabian and that his second wife was Dinah, Jacob's daughter. But this is not a certainty. It is possible his first wife died and he remarried. But the English Bible doesn't state that. The Apocrypha does. Um, Number eight, Job did not steal. Even when he lost everything and was sitting in ashes, apocryphal accounts have his first wife working as a maid to feed the two of them. Number nine, there is no record of Job bearing false witness against anyone. Ten, even when he lost everything and goes into a um, a lament about wishing he has never been born. In Job three, Job does not covet that which his, which his friends have, or his neighbors have, or the people around him has, he does not covet. So let's look again at Job 1 verse 4 to 5. Job's sons would regularly celebrate their birthdays. And we know they were celebrating birthdays because the NIV specifically uses that word in its translation. Birthdays were a pagan custom, and the sons would invite their sisters to join them for these celebrations. Verse 5 talks about a period of feasting, so it is not just a few hours like we celebrate a birthday, but possibly a few days. When the time of his children's feasting was over, Job, Job would make arrangements to purify them as the patriarch of his family and the priest of his home or the head of his clan. 1 Chronicles 9 verse 13 talks about this. So we begin to see a reflection of Mosaic law in what Job is doing in the atonement sacrifices he regularly makes on behalf of his children in case they sinned against God in their drunken states. But that law does not yet exist. We start to see it reflected. We know that God was pleased with animal sacrifices because we see this in Genesis 4 verse 2 to 5. Because Abel's sacrifice pleased God, but Cain's did not. Cain's came from the ground that God cursed in Genesis 3, verse 17. If God indeed does not change, then the blood atonement sacrifices he required from the time man sinned in the Garden of Eden to the death of Christ would not have changed. So it is logical to see this reflected and followed before the Mosaic laws are spelled out to Moses. We know that the feasts and customs dictated by the Mosaic law were a poor reflection of Christ who was to come and fulfill the promises that they were, de- that they were designed to reflect. With the coming of Christ, the rituals were permanently fulfilled. It is also important to note in Job 1 verse 4 to 5 that Job was not invited to these feasting events. His children knew that their righteous father would not approve of their embracing pagan customs. Job is separate from the sins of his children. Light has no fellowship with darkness as we find in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. Job does not participate in the pagan rituals of his unbelieving children. His love for them and desire for their redemption is evident in his sacrificing for their sins, but he is still separate from participating in their revelry and merriment. I think this is so reflective of the father's heart for us. Job never wanted his children to perish In their sin, he feared God for them, yet he could not make them fear God for themselves. Despite his godly example, his children chose not to follow in their father's footsteps, rather relying on his righteousness to make them right before his God. They did not choose Job's God for themselves. They chose pagan gods because they they fellowshiped or they celebrated pagan things. Job's children never feared his God. God never forces us to choose him, nor does he force us to fear him, even though he could. And Job never forced his children to come sacrifice with him. He would send word for them to come and they chose not to come. Instead, Father God longs for us to choose him and step into a relationship with him. The fear of God does not come without relationship. And we learn the fear of God by hearing his voice, by being open to hearing his voice. And we know that Job heard God and that Job had a relationship with him. And we will find later on that God speaks to Job. And part of Job's frustration is that he is, he is going such a long time in suffering and God is silent. I think Job also sends a good example of a godly parent. It cost him greatly to make those atonement sacrifices for his children. He was gripped by the fear of God on their behalf, which drove him to sacrifice for them. He constantly sent word to them after the feasts to come and consecrate themselves with him, Job 1 verse 5. But we don't see any of them choosing to join him. We don't see any of his children choosing to follow his God, Job's children did not choose his God for themselves and as a consequence died in their sin. This concludes this week's study on the book of Job. I hope you'll join me next week when I continue to study the book of Job with you.